Two readings this morning from the scriptures. The first is Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, given them the lands, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. In the second reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting at verse 21. They, now they in this case, I think refers to Jesus and his first four disciples, which is James, John, and Peter and Andrew. That's within the context, I'm not sure of it. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said, Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? a new teaching, and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And this is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. As I uh, begin this morning, I want to bring give greetings to 
somebody watching. So to Ida Okot in northern Uganda, I discovered yesterday that Ida, who some of you are praying for and others of you have given uh, to support some of her uh, medical needs, watches every week. So <laughs> good morning, Ida. Uh, so she considers herself part of our church community. How wonderful is that, that we've got people around the world who are part of our church community. Just brilliant. So welcome. Uh, Thank you, Andrew, for your reading. Uh, Today we're looking at living wisely in 2024, something I don't always or even often get right. I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but quite often I make decisions And as I'm making them, I know I'm going to regret them. So things like massively overeating uh, and in the moment thinking, I'm going to regret this tomorrow. Or the other night I went to bed early thinking, go me. And uh, instead of reaching for my book, which will put me to sleep, because it always works, I reached for my iPad and thought I'd just time for sneaking another episode of on Netflix, a ridiculous hospital drama. And I knew as I was watching it, I would regret it because inevitably I couldn't sleep, having had just had screen and uh, a silly drama in my head. Not morally reprehensible things, are they? But just foolish, foolish decision making. I see a few nods around the church. Well, today's We're focusing on Psalm 111, which was just read for us. And uh, as we look at Psalm 111 and focus on the section, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. And this morning, you might want to have the Bible open as we look at it. So Psalm 111, there there are a few Bibles there. Some of you have got the Bible on your phones. It's just a suggestion. You don't have to do that. But uh, if you do have it there, take a look. Psalm 111. It's all about God and what he has done. Well, what has he done according to the psalm? This is what he's done for the people of Israel. Just a few of the things. He's been gracious and compassionate. He's provided them with food. He's shown his power. He's given them land. He's provided redemption for his people. He's made a covenant with them. It's quite a list. And what about us? Where do we fit into this psalm? Well, for us, he's been gracious and compassionate. He's given us all we need. We don't lack anything. He's provided redemption for his people in Jesus. He's made a covenant with us which cannot be broken. And there's a whole lot more. And as it should, the psalm begins and finishes with praise. Because when you hear those things, we can't help but praise, can we? Do you know, as we think about wisdom... All of this is more than just a backdrop for our thinking. This is the whole story. This is the whole box and dice right here. It's like the air we breathe. We can never get to the end of recounting who God is and what he has done. We need to do it every day. We need to do it to ourselves, to our children, 
to our families, to our friends, to our neighbours. The, the Message Bible, which I go to sometimes as a refreshed look, puts it like this. God's works are so great, they're worth a lifetime of study, endless enjoyment. It's worth repeating. God's works are so great, they're worth a lifetime of study, endless enjoyment. Well, that's what Psalm 111 invites us to do. Verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, that can be confusing, can't it? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, those of you who know me well know I've got to bring Judah in somewhere, so here, here he comes. Judah, for those of you who don't know, is my three-year-old grandson and uh, he spends most Fridays with us and he's in particularly, particular awe of Grandpa, that's Jonathan. So with me, he's pretty familiar, but if I say, that's Grandpa's, he takes a bit of a step back. He's in, if, I, if I don't want him to touch something, like you know the outdoor heater or the coffee machine, all I have to do is, oh, no, that's just for looking, that's Grandpa's. And even though he loves Jonathan very much and he feels safe with him, there's an extra awe that's there. There's a healthy respect that is there. And Jonathan is not God, I want to point that out. But there's, <laughs> there is, there is a, a helpful, helpful bit of thinking here that we've, we've God who loves us so dearly and who we know as father and friend and brother. There's also a healthy respect, awe and wonder need to be part of our relationship with God. We don't take him lightly. Do you know what? If we fear the Lord rightly in love and awe and wonder, we actually don't need to fear anything else. There's nothing else to be afraid of. The very next psalm, in your own time, look at that, Psalm 112, it tells tells us this when it says, blessed is the person who fears the Lord, they will have no fear of bad news. They're unperturbed, they're unshakable, they're rock solid, they're wise, they're wise. Wisdom is knowing how things really are and knowing what we need to do about it. It gives us the capacity and the knowledge and the understanding to grow and learn and flourish in that reality. Knowing how things really are, knowing who we really are, knowing who God really is. And our place in the world, that's wisdom. But do you know what? The New Testament tells us that wisdom is way, way more than simply a concept. It is actually a person. So in 1 Corinthians, we read that Jesus Christ himself is the wisdom of God. But just let that sink in just for a minute. Jesus himself is the wisdom of God. He doesn't just display it. He doesn't just show us how to do that, how to do it, although he does that too. He is it. He is our ultimate guide. He is our wonderful counsellor. You know, our relationship with him 
will make us wise, wise to how things really are, wise enough to live a flourishing life, wise to know which way to go. A little bit more of Judah. So uh, on Friday, my daughter and her husband took Judah up up the river for a long car trip and once they got they got off track uh, onto into a paddock. Uh, this happened. Are we up to it yet? Have I missed a bit? Thank you, Lucinda. Just listen. They're going to stay on the tracks. Judah driving? Yes. No. He was having a ball. Why? Because he thought he was driving. I know there's no seatbelt there. Relax. It was all good. Very slow. But he was safe in his father's arms. And his father was actually giving the directions. And he was totally secure, believing he was driving, but actually secure in his father's arms. He was corrected by his father who told him the way to go. He was trusting his father 100% and completely. He was joyful in the process. And as I watched that, and it goes, there's a whole lot longer if you want to watch it over morning too. I thought, what a beautiful image of the Christian life. That's it. Resting in the father's arms, taking his direction, learning what wisdom is, uh, joy in steering our, our lives, but not, but not really. We sang earlier a wonderful hymn. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Jesus, who is wisdom itself, had this to say to his disciples and his friends. Come to me, and we sang this too. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Message Bible here says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that too. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, driving for Judah was easy. He was close to his father and he could just rest in that. So how then do we live wisely in 2024? Well, the Bible tells us it's by taking Christ's light yoke upon us. It's by letting him drive. It's by learning from him who is self-described as humble and gentle of heart, wisdom itself. Learn from him, he says. Well, we need to learn from Jesus, not only in what he taught, we must learn that, 
but also in how he lived. How did he live? He lived the perfect, truly wise life. He lived perfectly. He was truly human, truly human as well as truly divine. So how did he live? A quick book plug. plug. This next few minutes are going to come from this book essentially, which is absolutely based on scripture. The The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Read it. Read it. It will change your life. And in it, Coma talks about four practices of Jesus that help us to live wisely and well. You know, in our 21st century world, we live such rushed, distracted lives. We fill any empty space with stuff and noise and buying and radio and Netflix and TV and my phone. It's all filled. But how did Jesus live? Well, here's four things to think about just quickly. How often did Jesus go off by himself and spend time with his father? Go and have a look at how often he did that. How can we know what the father's heart is without spending the time silently, without distraction? He took himself to a desert, to a mountain. He did it all the time for prayer and solitude. We don't know how to just sit anymore. I don't know how to just sit anymore. We have the radio on, we have the TV on, I've got my phone with me, I'm on it, there's always background noise. Do you know, are we actually afraid to live with our own thoughts? Are we? I think this is resonating with some of us. You know, if Jesus needed time with his Father in heaven on a regular basis, we sure do. Secondly, the whole idea of Sabbath. You know, we think we've moved beyond Sabbath. Why is that? The Ten Commandments, the others, we all happily abide by. But this notion of taking a day a week of resting and worship, of resting and worship, not in a legalistic way, but in a helpful way to put aside the things that we normally do, to actually just be, to rest, be with family, to be with God himself. If we say we don't have time, we don't have time. I'm talking to myself here. Next one, simplicity. Jesus lived a very simple, contented life. And he gave us some warnings. He said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He also said, sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Go and have a read of the Gospels. How often does he talk about money, which is such a trap? It's a trap and it can be such a distraction and such an idol from a wise, contented life. Be on your guard. Our world is saturated with advertising. Spend, spend, spend. Shop, shop, shop. Buy more things. Instead, We need to rest, to be content and to relax 
knowing that our Father provides us with all that we need. Slowing down. We're such a busy, live in such a busy world. You go to the supermarket and the person on the supermarket will say, have you had a busy morning? Expecting you to say yes. What if you said no? No, no, not busy today. How wonderful to not be busy. Jesus wasn't busy. He was productive. He was in ministry. One of my favourite stories is where Jesus is told, Jairus comes to find him and says, my daughter is dying. My daughter's dying. You need to come. Come now. And Jesus does with the disciples. And on the way, he's interrupted. So here he is going to a dying girl. You'd think that should, you should hurry, really. And this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, he stops and he spends time to address her directly. I can just imagine Jairus kind of tapping his foot going, "Uh hello, hello, let's go, let's go. But Jesus did what he needed, what he was called to do in an unhurried fashion. And if you read the book, there's heaps of tips on things we can do practically that are just going to slow us down. Phew, that was a lot. A lot to take in and more sermons here potentially. Solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, slowing. It's all a bit hard, isn't it? But take one step this week. Put your phone away for an hour. Join a Bible study this week. Spend some time by yourself with God in the morning or in the evening or both. What I want to bring brings us to the most important point today. The good news about Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that we are actually released from having to do any of this. Jesus is our wisdom and he not only teaches us how to do it and models the way, he actually lived that perfect wise life for us. He lived the perfect and wise life for us. You know, there have been a lot of wise teachers in history, but no one's done that. No one's lived the perfect life for us as Jesus did, who died the death we should have died, who was then wonderfully raised to life. If we are in Christ and Christ is in us, and we are, then there's no condemnation, there's no judgment here. Not at all. We're told really clearly there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But this is true wisdom, seeing this, which is how things really are. Let that sink in. In all that you take out today, remember that one. Jesus is our wisdom. He's done it for us and he's doing it for us every day. And remember this. God's works are so great. They're worth a lifetime of study. We can never get to the end of this, people. And studying those is endless enjoyment. We'll never get to the end of it. In all of eternity, we'll never get to the end of that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowing him, loving him, being loved by him, Letting him drive, 
seeing things, things through his eyes.